This episode is brought to you by the sneaky treat company Melbourne, decadent sweet treats delivered to your door. Let your friends, family or clients know that you're thinking of them with a box of goodies and a personalised note to send along with your gift. TheSneakyTreatCo.com, you know you want to. Hey, welcome to the Move Me Podcast with me, Julie Reynolds. This episode, it's a rewind with Mark Holden. Now, you might know him from his appearances on Countdown as a 70s heartthrob, playing Dr. Greg Mason on The Young Doctors, or what about the big touchdown on Australian Idol, or even the guy who co-wrote Vanessa Amorosi's huge hit, Absolutely Everybody. His mum could have even been your student counsellor at high school. <laughs> well, she was mine. Whichever Mark Holden you think you know, you will probably get a surprise or two as we take a walk through the Holden family history book. From the Holden Brothers Travelling Circus, established by Mark's great-great-uncle Adolphus Holden, the one-legged acrobat, to today. You'll also find out where that carnation idea came from. So, in just a moment or two, you'll maybe meet a different Mark Holden than what you thought. Julie, 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 do you love me? You know me? I do. You know I do. <laughs> Julie, 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 do you care? If you've got a carnation, then again, my mind's just exploded. <laughs> They're difficult to get now. I have to order them in advance when I want to use them because... They're a 70s flower. They don't, uh, they don't commonly get used as they did in the 70s. So if I come to Adelaide, for example, when I was doing the shows with my brother Craig, I would uh, have to order them from the central market and they would get them in especially for me. Long-stemmed red carnations. They're a, they're a 70s flower. So that makes it even more special, doesn't it, when you give them out? And I've seen some of those shows and those, those girls are lining up for that carnation and when they get a carnation from Mark Holden. And some guys, Julie. And some guys. I don't want to be... Yeah, let's be inclusive. I must be inclusive. So when those people receive that carnation, it's like you've just given them the golden ticket. I love it. It is a joy. It, it, it is a joy. I remember the first time I saw Barry Humphreys, which was at Her Majesty's Theatre in Adelaide, and I probably was 15 or something, and mum took me. And my brother tells me that she took him as well. I don't remember going with my brother, but maybe it was a different year. But I was so thrilled that in the end when he did the gladdies you know and he had everybody waving the gladdies and 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 that must have left a mark with me because that was i think that what my inspiration was for bringing the carnation out as a pop star on on countdown back in um, 1976 i think that was i love still being able to do it i love still being able to have that moment in the show people are thrilled i think that you're back out and touring but you didn't start out at that as that pop star did you mark holden you were more uh, I suppose a little bit more rock based. You and your brother playing duets in a pancake kitchen in Adelaide we somewhere. Were. Yes, we were at literally at the pancake kitchen. I don't think I was so much rock based. My brother was in a group called the Moonshine Jug and String Band, who were the Brewster Jones brothers, who now call themselves just Brewster, John and Rick Brewster, who became the Angels. And and uh, I remember going to the Sussex Hotel in my school uniform with my silly little cap and seeing my brother and the Brewster Jones brothers in this jug band, the, the Moonshine Jug and String Band, uh, with uh, you know a pub full of uni students with pint glasses stacked on top of each other. And I just thought, wow, how good is this? You mean you can do this? 
wow. I just, it totally blew my mind. They were really a, a huge band at that time in Adelaide. And and eventually, you know, the the Bruce Jones brothers wanted one of them was I can't remember if it was John or Rick was at architecture school with my brother and and they wanted to move to Sydney and you know go for the big time and they changed their name to the Keystone Angels and then the Angels and my brother was never really in it for a career for him it was just uh, a good time and he wanted to go to England and he wanted to do the typical thing that that Aussies did in that time which was to go and spend a year or two overseas and so he didn't join them when they went to Sydney and of course that's when Doc Neeson came into the picture and they evolved into the Angels but at that time um, we were doing really more folk. I was more into Neil Young and and uh, my own kind of folky, my own kind of folky songs. But Craig was in bands all the way to the present. He's sixty six now, and he is in the nineteen sixty five Masters Apprentices with the original Masters because the beautiful Jim Keys, of course, is gone. And and uh, so he's at, at the tender age of sixty six. He's still out there banging away. He's, <laughs> he's in three bands. And uh, he's the vice chairman of the South Australian Housing Trust and he's a developer and he's all these other things. But his whole life he's been a performer, whereas I really haven't been. I was a performer when I was sort of 17, 18 and a folk singer. And then once I became a pop singer, I only ever did one tour. The late, great Clifford Hocking, who is a great uh, impresario back in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, he, he used to bring out, well, he used to manage Barry Humphreys and, and Cleo Lane was one of his big acts. And, and uh, he became my manager for a short while. And he put my only tour together that I ever did, which was six dates. Uh, it was the State Theatre in Sydney. It was Dallas Brooks Hall in Melbourne. It was the brand new entertainment centre in Perth. It was uh, at the festival centre in Adelaide. And for some reason, we did uh, a pub in Wyala. No, there you go. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how the pub in the whale got it, but that was the uh, literally the only tour I ever did as as a pop singer. It wasn't something that um, I really enjoyed, to be honest. I I found it difficult. Um, we we had uh, that was a great tour in the sense that you know it was a sellout and and uh, but. You know, it was I, 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 it wasn't something that like the John Paul Youngs or the or the Marsha Hines or the all or, or the Joe Camilleri's or or, or the Daryl Braithwaite's. They've been doing it all their life. They have never stopped. Marsha still does two or three gigs a week, uh, week in week out, year in year out. She always has. Whereas for me, it wasn't something that I honestly enjoyed. I've I've enjoyed performing with my brother. We've done five gigs as brother to brother over the last couple of years, the Adelaide Fringe, and I've really enjoyed being on stage with my brother. And we've brought my son up, Kane. Uh, Kane gets up and sings, and he knocks it out of the park. So it's been beautiful at that at that level. But it's not something I've ever wanted to do for a living. Joe Camilleri's like onto his fourth or fifth wife. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, when you're on the road that for your happens. whole life, it's hard to maintain a family. And if you're going to work in Australia, as they have uh, for 50 years, it means you're going to be in Broome and Weeper and Bruny Island. And it means to get to Broome, Weeper and Bruny Island, there's a day or two of travel. And Joe's still doing 150 gigs a year. I just honestly don't know how he does it. I mean, and he's and he's really brilliant as well. All of those people that we're talking about, John Paul Young, and they're much better singers than me, and particularly post-cancer. 
you know, I've lost a lot of my voice post-surgery in 2010. And so for me, it, it's not the same as it is for them. But the one-man show gives me a an opportunity to tell stories and it's more of a th- it's a theater show it's not a it's not a pub show it's not a it's not a get people to dance show which which you know the brother to brother show with with my brother Craig is is about getting people up and dancing and having a really good time in that in that way whereas my one man show is is theatrical there's beautiful images it's the story of of the Holden brothers traveling circus which was our family circus that travelled um, Australia from the 1890s till the 1950s. and Probably a little known fact about Mark Holden and Mark Holden's family because even this interview, you always go back to your brother, you always go back to your family, you're a very family-oriented person. So yes. I don't, for me, knowing that uh, that's who you are, Mark Holden, doesn't surprise me that you would go back even further and find something that displayed how the Holden brothers became great performers. My old man used to tell us the stories around the dinner table as kids and it didn't seem real. He'd talk about Holden Brothers Travelling Circus and it sounded like, well, well, for example, when we were kids, people thought we, the name Holden, that we were a car company and I'd often get asked, you know, you Holdens of Holden's cars and I'd say, no, I'm the Holdens of Holden and Sloggett's Travelling Circus. And that was a real thing. You know, the, the, the family, the circus families would join up, the Sloggett's and the Holdens, the Ashtons and the Holdens, and they were literally family circuses. Uh, it was in, in with the Holdens, it was Adolphus Holden, my great-great-uncle, his ten kids, and they would go in covered wagons from the Bellarine Peninsula near Geelong all the way to Sejuna in the middle of the Nullarbor Plain and halfway to Perth and then all the way back before there was even radio and they would bring music and that's the thing that I love about it is that that they were self-taught musicians and that idea of a bandwagon, that concept of a bandwagon, there was actually literally a bandwagon and they'd drive the bandwagon through town and and all the brothers would sit on the back of the bandwagon and play the songs of the day. Now, it's hard for us to understand the meaning of that, but when there was no, it's hard to imagine no radio, no no television, no telephone, no films. The only entertainment that existed were these family circuses that would come to town and bring music and you could hear the hits of the day, you could hear live music, you could see exotic animals like monkeys. It was, uh, it was something that I just, as I said, when Dad used to tell us the stories, particularly of Adolphus, he's, you know, he described Adolphus as a one-legged trapeze artist. In in fact, he was he lost his leg as a teenager in uh, on the railroads, and uh, he was part of shunting the the trains, and you know, a train just chopped his leg off. Wow! And he was so he was a disabled, a young disabled man who who taught himself acrobatics. And he joined a an American troupe called the Flying Jordans. And, the, and in in those days, the the circuit was San Francisco, Sydney, Hobart, Melbourne, South Africa, England, New York. So so the big artists of the day would you know spend a two two or three year tour of the world. And and they'd they'd find themselves in Sydney, then they'd find themselves in Hobart at the Theatre Royal, which is the oldest theatre in Australia, the oldest continuing theatre in Australia. And the Flying Jordans were a were a trapeze act, a high wire act, an acrobatic act, and they they saw Adolphus Holden, this one legged young 
guy and they took him into the into that act the flying jordans and he became known as gordon the great and then when the flying jordans moved on and moved back to america adolphus adopted the name and and called his family act the flying gordons and and so the flying gordons then did the theater royal in in hobart from uh, the 1900s onwards and one of the places that i'm going to play is the theater royal in hobart and i'm going to be standing on exactly the same stage as my forebears and i'm going to be paying tribute to them not just about the circus it's also about the history of the holdens in the sense that we were the first dispossessors we were the what we came to victoria 1852 and settled around the Geelong Drysdale area and displaced the local indigenous people who are the Watharong people. And I got to know uh, the Watharong people. My cousin Marie Holden uh, told me, you know, because I, I said, well, where, there was a, I've got a letter from uh, John Holden in the 1870s where he noted that there were, it was only 20 years after they'd got there, that there were no Aborigines around. Uh, where did they all go? What I learnt from the Watharong, I went down to the Watharong Centre and I met a beautiful man called Uncle Dave, who unfortunately is, is past now. And he told me the stories, the real stories, the history of the area and the fact that within 20 years, a clan, the Watharong clan, which was somewhere between three and 600, was entirely wiped out. I feel a very real connection to it, having met Uncle Dave, having met the Watharong people and, and met a young man called Mick Ryan who perchance ended up being a songwriter and we've become great friends and we're one of the songs. It's got the historical names and every name in it is actually from history. We knew then and we know now exactly who was killing who and it's one of those stories that I didn't certainly learn growing up in Adelaide. I never learnt any stories of the Indigenous people and what happened to them. And, you know, I went to Adelaide University. I was a pretty educated guy, and yet we never heard that story. And the first time I heard that story was Uncle Dave Tournier um, down at the Watharong Centre, who actually ran through the actual history of the area. And uh, so, so it's a it's an historical tale. It's not all dark. It's uh, it's quite beautiful. I do I can't tell the story of the Holden Brothers Travelling Circus without telling the stories of Countdown and and my own circus life, the Baywatch. You know, being involved in in Baywatch and the Hoff and that that great circus. I was a part of that great circus for a while, and then of course Australian Idol, which was. Uh, Another kind of circus. So I've, I, and I've, you know, I can't, I've got to, I've got to touch on Bobo. So, so there's a lot of humour in it. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of heartfelt uh, stories in it. But I've got these beautiful images that uh, Mervyn Ashton gave me. The, the, the great Ashton family, who are the longest running circus in, uh, in, in the Western world, family circus. There, I think they're nine or ten generations now. Mervyn Ashton gave me this beautiful footage uh, that he shot on a sixteen millimeter camera in the night. 1950s when the circus was at its height and the Holdens and the Ashtons travelled together. The third time that I performed it was the audition for the Adelaide Cabaret Festival which as it happens was at Her Majesty's Theatre with no one in it. Uh, it was just the executive producer uh, of, of the Adelaide Cabaret Festival as it turns out my brother and a camera person because Ali McGregor who is the curator was in London at the time so they filmed uh, my or my me doing the show on the stage at Her Majesty's Theatre with the beautiful big screen 
and showing the images. Oh, my God, it was so beautiful to do it there. And again, to be in that room that I had first seen Barry Humphreys and the Gladys and Mum and my memory of Mum. And it was so beautiful. And God bless Ali. She uh, gave me the tick of approval. And, and so I get to launch uh, this show at uh, at the Adelaide Cabaret Festival. I'm hoping I can get the Holden Brothers uh, exhibition which the Art Centre has here in Melbourne, that was donated to them in the 1980s by the Holden family. What I've learned, well, this is something I've been working on for probably 20, 25 years, but it's something that I've dreamed about. It's something that I've wanted to do. It's what I've really learned is that you know I'm a barrister as well, and 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 it's just terrific to have you know to to have the ticket to be a barrister. And it's a great privilege to be a barrister, but being a barrister is incredibly stressful because when people come to you as a barrister, they come to you because everything else has failed and litigation is the only only way forward, either because it's a criminal act or whatever whatever it is that they haven't been able to resolve it. So it's really a stress thing. And being a barrister for me is is, is a privilege, but it's incredibly stressful. Whereas when I do this show, I, I, I do get, you know, I mean, there's an anxiety level. I want it to go well and I want to get, you know, I don't want to screw it up, but it's a joy. Uh, and I've realized that that I, I just have to thank that 21-year-old Mark that dropped out of law in the last year of law three months before the finals and took up a, a record company deal with EMI and became a musician and a singer and a songwriter. And because, an actor. And an actor, yeah, well, some people would question that but <laughs> in that actor with you know parentheses but look I look being being a barrister is great but it, it is so stressful I don't sleep when I'm about to go to court the night before I don't sleep when I get the when I first get the brief I don't sleep that night you know my brain just goes into overdrive and and I've got to solve a problem I've got to do my best for the client I've got to dig into the law I've got to figure out you know what rules are at work and what what laws and it's a very stressful way to live and whereas whereas there is some degree of stress the only real stress that i have with my show is are people going to turn up but if five people turn up i will love doing the show and just actually stepping onto the stage and stepping into that spotlight and then telling this story and i contrast that to as i say you know going to court and being anxious and not sleeping and waking up in the middle of the night worrying that i've missed something and then and then when you're actually in court you know it's incredibly stressful because there's stuff happening you know, coming at you from every direction and and you've got emotional clients and 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 you've got angry uh, there's you know there's all kinds of stuff going on and you know i've been in i've walked out of court one time recently in in Werribee where the bodyguard of the other side attacked me. Oh no. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hey, really? Attacks me. Well, attacked actually, attacked, attacked my client, but I got in the middle of it. And, uh, and, I th- and I came home that day and I said to my wife, what the hell am I doing this for? So you've gone the full circle and now you realise, oh, no, I'm, I'm a pop star. I'm a rock star. I'm a, I'm a muso. I'm an entertainer. Yes, I'm that's somebody- exactly right. I'm somebody who I want to put more time into making music, being making music with my brother. Making music is what I love to do. By the way, I'm 
I'm putting together a uh, an album of all the the songs that I sang in the 1980s and 90s when I was recording demos in in America that never came, that, that I sang personally, and I'm calling it I'm calling it the Lost 80s album. So that'll be a, I'm only going to make about 100 or 200 of them for Ooh. my closest friends and uh, just just as because I don't have that voice anymore I just want to get a, an album out that uh, the, the lost 80s album could have been called when I'm 64 but I thought I'd stick with the lost 80s album good on you Julie love you thanks Mark Thanks for listening, and if you want to know when the next episodes are available, just subscribe, no matter where it is that you're listening to us from, and check out our socials at The Move Me Podcast. There you'll find a whole heap of extra information, like when some new music is coming out, and of course when we're allowed to have concerts, when they're going to be. 